0: to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy Seven and Johnny Touchdown,
1: all about your Arizona Cardinals.
0: Hello and welcome in, Arizona Cardinals fans. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Coming to you after the first game of the season, we have actual real Cardinals football to talk about. Finally, it seems like it's been such a long time, a huge wait to get here. We finally had it this last Sunday, and we're going to break it all down. My name is Blake Murphy uh, on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7, and uh, I'm the co-host of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, We are part of the Espionation podcast network and my co-host the venerable John venerable on twitter at johnny touchdown is joining us as well and john we are one week into the season and the cardinals for the first time since 2015 are 1 and 0 it feels great how are you doing overall first of all before we jump into recapping the game
1: i'm doing i'm doing great Blake. it's good to talk with you and i i do have a quick correction so i updated my twitter handle to reflect My actual name, so no longer Johnny Touchdown, just at Johnny Venerable. Keep it consistent here, and I thought it would be a good time to kick it off with a new update to the Twitter handle. Coincides perfectly with a Cardinal victory, Blake. That was something to behold. It was certainly uh, a game that had really a lot of ups and downs. It was an emotional contest, but it was one that I I said beforehand, I thought the Cardinals would win, and, and they had to win, given the amount of injuries that San Francisco currently has, Uh, and boy, oh boy, that was a signature win for Cliff Kingsbury, second year as head coach, and I think probably the biggest win for Kyler Murray as well to date, Blake.
0: For the Arizona Cardinals to not only come out and defeat a division rival in the first game of the season, on the road, no less, but to have it be after they went to the Super Bowl the previous year and after, despite missing Debo Samuel, missing Brandon Ayuk missing their starting center, to have no one really give you a chance. And the Cardinals went out there. Uh, there were some early adjustments and issues we'll be able to go through as we kind of walk through with part of the game. Um, but they did the uh, the one thing that they were not able to do last year, which was take the lead in the fourth quarter and then be able to cap off that lead by being able to make a defensive play. The defense overall was the story of the game, I think, John um, – uh, outside of the fact that there's a certain new Cardinals weapon, at least, who went off for uh, 14 catches and 151 yards and what looked like at first to be the game-winning score, uh, it does feel at least unreal to see the difference in the Cardinals offense this season versus last season, running 78 plays against the Niners, uh, being able to control the ball, control the clock, and And then not having a good game from the Niners on the other end, I think that at least, John, there's a lot to be discussed, at least in terms of if this is going to be the Cardinals all season long, if we're just going to be a permanent cardiac card state. Or if and this is what I think we can take a look at is we need to give some credit to the fact that the Niners defense is still that same defense that it was last year and in that regard, the Cardinals probably played one of the toughest defenses that they're going to face and was able to put up 24 points, could have put up 30 if there had been some field goals made, and I think that is a huge improvement over last year because they only gave up on the other end 20 points, which is at least 8 to 9 points lower than they were giving up on average last year. That type of improvement, it's what we had hoped we would see, it's what we expected to see, but it's something else to actually see it on the field, John.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was their best defensive performance from Vance Joseph-led defense uh, during his tenure here. Last year, he was the man on the hot seat. Uh, they didn't improve as the season went on. In fact, they probably got worse. Um, but the Cardinals upgraded personnel-wise, top to bottom, in all three units defensively, and it showed yesterday. Um, quickly on the offense, I-, I do think that the reason they started slow was just the lack of You know, a preseason, being able to do any kind of live tackling. Now, I thought coming into yesterday, we would have saw the offenses ahead. And certainly for San Francisco, that was the case, jumping up to a a 10-0 quick deficit on the Arizona Cardinals. But what I will say is I I thought, you know, Kyler and the gang would be clicking much earlier. This is a unit that outside of Hopkins, a a new right tackle – very much the unit we had a year ago that was firing not on all cylinders, but really improved in the second half of last year, and they took some time to to get going. And thankfully, the defense was up for the challenge. The defense that was so maligned a year ago, that really is the Achilles' heel for this team nationally. That people want to dismiss this team as a a playoff contender, held San Francisco to three points between quarters two and three, and then the touchdown at the end of the game, which we'll get into. Was kind of a fluke because they were gifted a pass interference penalty that, you know, was on uh, Jordan Hicks that he didn't need to make. Um, So I think you credit Steve Kime, the additions that they've made, the, the Devondre Campbells of the world, who looked fantastic, the Angelo Blacksons of the world that had a sack. Yesterday, a tackle for loss, and was signed about two weeks ago before the uh, the end of training camp. Zach Allen in year two looks like a completely different player. Same with Byron Murphy, Devon Kennard, who I wasn't a huge fan of coming into this year, and still don't think he's going to be a ten-digit sack guy. But just the linebacking core in general is just so much more athletic. And you know, Isaiah Simmons had his his ups and downs yesterday. Just the team speed defensively. Is where it needs to be if this team's going to compete for a winning record, you know, a, a wild card spot, you know, dare I say, the division. And I think that they were the tone setters. They kept this team in it while the offense worked through its kinks. And, you know, there are going to be weeks like that where Kyler, for whatever reason, just isn't on the same page with his receivers. I think he'd even tell you, Blake, that, you know, eventually the vertical passing game is going to get to a point where you know they're going to be able to stretch the field. They're going to incorporate, you would hope, Kirks and the Isabels and the Keyshawn Johnsons when he returns but they had to be a little bit one-dimensional yesterday outside of DeAndre Hopkins 14 for 151 but give credit to Vance Joseph and the defense they bought them enough time enough possessions to allow Kyler and the defense to get it going and then at the end of the game when they needed rescuing when they gave up that go-ahead touchdown Kyler Murray rewarded them so it was very much a back and, back and forth affair and it was kind of like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours in the sense that, okay, Vance, we need you just to hold on a couple possessions. I don't really remember too many possessions, specifically in the second half, Blake, that the 49ers had outside of those last two drives. That speaks to just the the upgraded confidence that this defense has, the fact that we're going into year two under the same scheme that most people malign, but again, s- still consistency. And then the biggest thing, Blake, that I think that we needed to see was the Cardinals invested some premium draft capital in their defense last year in the form of Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, and both of those two individuals came to play yesterday. Byron Murphy with the two pass breakups back-to-back on third and five and fourth and five to win the game. I mean, we're talking about the 33rd overall pick in last year's draft, finally looking like that player out of Washington. That, to me, was probably the biggest story uh, on top of, of course, Kyler's mobility and, and Hopkins' debut, but I, I got to give Vance Joseph credit, Blake. He is consistently, you know, ridiculed in the media, but there was an internal support system from the likes of Kingsbury and Kime that you know we got to get this guy some players so we could really evaluate the kind of coach that he can be. Um, because just last year personnel wasn't good enough, and and so far he's one for one this year.
0: Yeah, John. There's a lot that we have to decide last year, whether it was scheme with Vance Joseph, whether it was the talent level. Personally, the biggest thing I feel like is that with VJ, when the Arizona Cardinals were able to do on Sunday was what he intended to have the team be last year and wasn't able to do because of the personnel. We got to look at what the Cardinals could have been last year, and in a lot of different ways, it wasn't able to follow through. And we got to see what they were missing. They didn't have a lot of the talent. But it was a young and inexperienced team last year. And in some cases, Vance, yes, he was forced into a bad spot. Where I think the the issue fans had was there were so many times that the Cardinals would just simply let teams get back into the game. It would be a bend and break defense. This game, it was a bend but didn't break defense. And uh, I think uh, that to me says a lot at least about not just the Cardinals, the players that they have, but also the fact that they haven't just added necessarily talent at the position. I think that they've added a lot of leadership at the position. You're adding back a motivated Patrick Peterson. You've got a, uh, like you mentioned Devondre Campbell, you take a look at Buda Baker with his new contract leading the team with 15 tackles. Um, you take a look at a guy up front in Jordan Phillips. You even look at Corey Peters mentoring a guy like a Richard Lawrence who went through. And you mentioned Zach Allen getting a sack. That type of leadership, I think, determines, and that's partially what creates depth for you. It's not just about talent, but it's also about guys who are able to step in and step up learn from the people who are in front of them uh, and the best example I can think of is the unsung hero of yesterday's game we would be Lamont Galliard after Mason Cole had a leg injury uh, there's still not news out there uh, you know he, like uh, we've joked about it before but you know his leg could be completely missing and Cliff would just you know kind of keep it coy or keep it quiet at least for all of those um as far as I know he was still being able to see walking around uh, but I think that there's enough that Galliard showed that if Cole misses some time, he'll be able to at least pick up a lot of the slack, Was did a good job filling in. Hopefully, it is just a fill-in. To me, that was at least the big story was the fact that Kyler Murray's now faced Nick Bosa three times. And in that span, I don't believe that Nick Bosa has even sacked him uh, once completely, at least on the sack record. There's obviously been pressure that we've seen. But it is to the case of showing that when you have a quarterback, it can make up for a lot of talent deficiencies. And when you've got a defense that is playing complete, where you've got guys like Murphy and Peterson on the outside. It does show at least, like, as you can see, the Niners had to go to the middle of the field, and when they desperately needed plays to be made to the outside, Cardinals forced it, they trusted their playmakers, and the likes of Murphy and Peterson came through, breaking up those uh, last couple of first downs. Uh, Now, the game, of course, unfortunately didn't play as well for one particular player, which would be Isaiah Simmons. Go back to the beginning of the game. First play of the game, Simmons at least ended up uh, having a horse collar tackle on Kittle. That pushes the ball into uh, Cardinal territory after a run by Raheem Mostert for 14 yards. Uh, You also, I believe, on that play had Jalen Thompson gets injured. He comes out. Chris Banjo comes in Uh, a little bit later after the Cardinals punt. And the Niners get a field goal. They score a touchdown on a first and ten. It's a seventy-seven or seventy-six yard uh, quick. uh, They called it an option route. Basically, you run up one way, running back. You either flare to the out if the guy takes inside leverage. You go to the inside if he goes for the outside portion. It's the exact route the Niners beat the Cardinals on last year in that second uh, second game. You think about Jeff Wilson Jr. catching that pass, running it into the end zone. Chandler Jones trying to get back in coverage this time it was Isaiah Simmons who was the victim and he ended up not seeing the field as much so what a lot of Cardinals fans I think want to know John is it's kind of a thrilling one score victory is there reason to be concerned about their first round pick
1: no he hasn't played listen I, I said this yesterday the Cardinals met with him at the combine in February and then didn't have contact with him face to face working you know on field position drills until late july early august when training camp started think about that gap that's over seven months that they didn't have tangible contact with him outside of some zoom meetings in the summer there was no rookie camp there's no mini camp nothing like that uh and you know it's hard to play in the nfl okay not everybody can come in and take the league over by storm on day one and certainly in the past no rookie has had to go through what these rookies have gone through over the course of the last seven months in terms of no physical contact with the coaching staff so what you saw was isaiah simmons not playing a real life football game or real life football if you exclude um training camp which they don't typically hit live since the national championship game against lsu that was a lie that was like when was that was that in january that was the last time and so of course being matched up against kyle shanahan you know, and his genius, quote unquote, is not a good matchup for Isaiah Simmons. You knew that they were going to target him. I'm not worried about worried about him in the slightest. He's going to have his ups and downs this year. They're going to let him play through it as they should. Thankfully, you know, we talk about the addition of a Devondre Campbell, and I know a lot of people said after that signing and then the drafting of Simmons. Well, we, you know, we wasted money on Campbell. Campbell will allow Simmons to slow play his development until he's fully comfortable, and then also allow positional flexibility, play a little bit of outside linebacker, inside, kick over to to strong safety. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is going to be fine. I, if you if you're selling your stock out there, I will take all the stock and then some look around the league. What rookie, specifically defensively, did anything yesterday? I know the PFF grades came out and they weren't favorable to him and they were to the Javon Kinlaws of the world, but I watched every snap of that game. I didn't see Javon Kinlaw make one play uh, in the backfield. I think he had one tackle. He was the 13th overall pick. There's a learning curve. This is where the big boys play. We're, we're going against an offensive mind that he did hunt him right away. Most a good back. It's not like he was missing tackles left and right. He made a nice stick on Kittle uh, to eliminate a catch and run. He had another um, nice tackle on the initial drive. They tried to run outside. He was listed as an outside linebacker there and made a play. So, goodness. just People are – we live in this – I think it's the problem is we live in this society now that just wants immediate results. And we had the Isaiah Simmons hype train, rightfully so, the entire offseason. He was the eighth overall pick. He's going to be everything Hassan Reddick isn't. Coincidentally, Hassan Reddick probably played his best game under the Kingsbury era yesterday, but I just think it's it's absurd. This rookie class of a year ago looked rough outside of Kyler Murray. How great did Byron Murphy look at times last year? Not great. Zach Allen was a non-factor. Those were two of their biggest defensive performances y- yesterday. I mean, you, just, you have to take it with a grain of salt. I do think at the end of the day, Isaiah Simmons is going to be that kind of player for the Cardinals that they're going to be able to go to and say, lead us to a victory similar to Kyler Murray offensively. He's going to be intercepting balls. He's going to be having tackles for losses. He's going to be sacking the quarterback. It's just not all going to happen, especially against a team like San Francisco who is so buttoned up offensively, so specific situationally. When you talk about the lack of receiving options, knowing that they're going to run the football, they ran the football effectively You're not going to get mistakes out of that team. They didn't turn the football over once. Garoppolo will occasionally make mistakes, but Shanahan has done a nice job really taking the ball out of his hands and and focusing on that running game. Wait till DeAndre Hopkins gets the Jets of the world and the Lions, maybe next week against Washington. These erratic teams. Um, it, It was a bad matchup for him week one. No excuses. Everybody in the locker room is saying the right things about him, that he's just got the utmost confidence he wants to learn. He wants to be the best. Uh, I I have no doubt in my mind he's going to turn into, at worst, a very good player for this team. And at best, he's going to be an elite uh, defensive playmaker for them, Blake.
0: Yeah, absolutely, John. Now, you did mention, at least, um, this idea of – Instant gratification, instant expectation for wide receivers. And in that case, we should talk about the other receivers that were not DeAndre Hopkins, because Larry Fitzgerald only had four catches for 44 yards, which is, is a regular game for him. Dan Arnold had a key block on uh, Kyler's touchdown, but... There was very little that we saw overall of Kyler Murray to Christian Kirk. There was a interfered with deep pass. There was one that went through his hands. There was another one that was just past his outstretched hand that Kyler just missed him on running around and then there was andy isabella who was on the field for 14 snaps but you really didn't notice him otherwise he didn't get any targets wasn't there in any jet sweeps uh what i thought was interesting at least is you did get to see a lot of Kenyon drake being effective there wasn't any big runs that he went off to but chase edmonds was able to get involved in the screen game with the passing concepts and he's shown i think what we thought he was going to be last year Uh, missed some time with injury we got to have the one third uh, one three touchdown game uh, i think the cardinals have uh, showed this case that on offense it's probably going to be running a lot through hopkins still a lot through fitzgerald and probably take a few deep shots to christian kirk and then it's going to be using uh, the legs of Kenyon drake chase edmonds and kyler murray with some of the plays that are going to be designed up for a Dan Arnold and a Max Williams, it does, I don't think it's going to be obviously like, you know, you can, people make those jokes about, hey, this person at least is on pace for, and there's absolutely no way that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be able to have like, you know, 224 catches uh, for, what did that be, like 16 games for like 2,400 yards. It's, it's not going to happen. What I do think it says, though, is that the Cardinals went from having no really effective wide receivers to having one elite talent at wide receiver, and now they have to be able to figure out how they're going to be able to design the rest of the offense, because the Niners were not able to stop DeAndre Hopkins. There will be a team at some point that's going to go all out and working to stop DeAndre Hopkins. They may limit him, right? may not be able to fully stop him, and that's the kind of talent he is, but in that case, you're going to have to be able to find what your way and what your pattern is. And... What we discovered, John, against the Niners is that if you're going to blitz Kyler Murray, he will burn you with his legs. And his legs have proved in a lot of ways to be a much bigger weapon than I think the people anticipate. He scored from 22 yards out at least on a play that most quarterbacks would have probably, you know, run out of bounds with after the first play. uh, Just showing off some elite acceleration. And one of the other plays where he picked up a 3rd-and-17, he picked up with his legs. You you think about how hard it is to convert a 3rd-and-10 in the NFL for a lot of teams, much less a 3rd-and-17, and And it was because he got with a linebacker in coverage, and he's got a wide receiver behind him. He faked pumps that he's going to toss the ball to a wide receiver, and in that situation, the linebacker has a choice. He either has to go and attack Murray, he'll just dump the ball over his head, complete the pass, get the first down, or he turns and covers The linebacker and then just hopes is like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and cover the wide receiver who's over here for that one because he's going to throw it. Kyler was so quick. He ran around the corner. The receiver then blocked that linebacker, at least I believe, into uh, the play where Kyler was able just to get past the sticks to get a critical third and 17, keep a drive going. And I believe they did score points on that drive as well. To me, John, that's one of the things that we've talked about as far as a mobile quarterback. It's part of what makes Kyler Kyler. And again, a lot of it comes back to the type of football that Cliff Kingsbury wants to play is that in this new NFL, you learn to throw the ball. And you still win games by being able to have a guy who can make plays with his legs and what's great is unlike the likes of a lamar jackson or even with josh allen who was uh, very effective in their win yesterday you don't take nearly as many hits because that's the kind of player that kyler is he didn't take any uh, i think it was two sacks yesterday where he gave himself up and didn't take any other big hits and that's exciting because you don't then have to worry about it being a limited time frame of winning you can hopefully enjoy kyler for many years to come what you won't be able to enjoy is a defense and that's where i think the cardinals because we've seen john if the cardinals can keep this up and we see you uh, go in and be able to kind of handle business against some of these next upcoming teams, and their defense is still able to hold sharp, so it wasn't a fluke here, you're able to stay healthy, you're going to see that, hey, you've got a window now on offense and on defense for that one that you're able to make moves during the season. Are you able to kind of do an all-in-for-it type of move like you did this last year with Hopkins adding someone else? You've got this opportunity that's here, John, and it starts with being able to, first of all, put things together on the field that's solid play we got that from the offense and the defense and even the special teams with a critical punt block uh the next step then of course is being able to stack wins together the cardinals have an opportunity to do that and then it comes down to ultimately i think being able to win these close divisional games i think john that this is at least the first step to hopefully the cardinals being able to take a much much bigger leap in the near future.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, just to speak to the fact that you know, I was asked yesterday, what do you think the biggest setback was, or the you know, the weaknesses you saw in their performance? I think defensively, you know, the safety plays a little concerning, especially now if Jalen Thompson misses time. But that's really kind of a nitpick. Offensively, it's when will the vertical passing game return, and what other receivers are going to emerge? I think. Listen, I, I love christian kirk as much as anybody i think he's really going to be a nice feature player this year but he disappears in in too many games for this team um and then just to have one reception yesterday on five targets he's targeted five times had one catch uh is unacceptable now kyler missed him on that deep slant that would have been a big game and i do think kirk was the benefit excuse me hopkins was the benefactor of kirk primarily being with richard sherman and even got that long pass interference call which was a a a touchdown um setup so I don't want to be too critical of his play and I also think kind of the way that they you know, tailored their offense yesterday was specific to San Francisco's defense because they knew they could kind of lure them to sleep with the run game and then Kyler could take off and by the end of the game the Bosa's, the D Fords, the Eric Armsteads, they were gassed. They couldn't they couldn't chase Kyler one on one and and they knew they Kingsbury knew they had a distinct advantage there. But I just I am a little bit concerned when you have to get into your, you know, three and four receiver sets What is that formation going to look like? Dan Arnold had two catches yesterday. Fitzgerald's always going to be an option. But Andy Isabella continues to be a non-factor. He doesn't play. The coaching staff talks him up. He didn't return kicks yesterday, Blake, and we had seen him do that in the offseason. So we're thinking to ourselves, okay, he's going to have some kind of an impact. You mentioned no end-arounds, no jet sweeps, no reverses to him. I'm at the point now where it's just like if you get anything from him, that's a benefit, but to me it – I don't I don't want to jump to conclusions here too quickly, but I just it looks like a wasted pick to me, especially, you know, when I see the DK Medcast of the world, you know, balling out for Seattle. But I, it makes me feel better that Byron Murphy and Zach Allen did did so well yesterday and have such promising starts to the season. You can't hit on every pick. But right now, until I'm I'm shown otherwise, it's going to be a non-factor. OK, so that's all of my negativity I'm going to have on this podcast with relation to yesterday. But as far as Kyler Murray goes, again he's going to have performances, Blake, where he's thrown for 350 yards and four touchdowns, and he runs for 20 yards. He would much rather work out of the pocket. He's he's said that as much. He doesn't particularly want to run. And goodness, he has become such an elite slider, avoiding contact. Really, the, the Kerry Hyder sack, which was kind of a pull down, it, it wasn't really a big shot. Was the only time I remember him getting hit, like legitimately hit, hands on him yesterday. He was the benefactor of two um, roughing the passer calls, 15 yard penalties that were critical. Uh, and I know people were complaining about that. Listen, you're, the Cardinals are benefiting from the fact that they, for, for the first time in their franchise, have a mobile quarterback. And if you're Lamar Jackson, if you're Patrick Mahomes, if you're Kyler Murray, If you're Dak, if you're Russell Wilson, you're going to get these kind of calls. And that's just is what it is. If you don't have a quarterback like that, Jimmy Garoppolo rushed for nine yards on one carry yesterday. That's not part of his game, and he's limited because of it. He got babysat.
0: Yep. Yeah, John, I am just excited that Kyler is getting those calls. Yeah. So excited because Cam Newton went for years without getting those calls. Now, maybe refs saw a big body. that thought he's going to run guys over. That may be part of it. But I think that... Kyler's already going into this Mahomes-Wilson category, not just from the baseball slides, but because he's getting respect around the league. Uh, maybe he gets you know a little bit more respect because he's smaller than usual. Um, maybe he gets protected. But if that's the case and you're a defensive coordinator, you've got to scheme around that because the Niners showed they're incapable of stopping Kyler Murray and their offense. They worked their best to limit him in as many possible ways. Didn't matter in the end. What the Niners needed was their quarterback to come through. In the fourth quarter, he did not. Kyler Murray came through. Um, we did see, in a lot of ways, some shades of 2019. The early offense, that sack by Kerry Hyder, where Kyler took a bit loss. But what we've seen is the progress, especially in areas where when franchise players need to step up, Kyler Murray has stepped up uh people asked me what stood out to them in the game the first thing that i said was there were so many people who credited kyler murray to a way that they pulled away credit from the other coaching staff the other players who are that was one thing i saw that was big uh, people credited Kyler. I even posted a tweet on that. John Middlecoff, who is a, a, a Niners guy, former NFL scout, he sent out a video earlier this week. Said Cardinals have no chance, no chance whatsoever. You look at he's like Cliff is terrible, Vance Joseph is awful. Post game, he says, "Okay, maybe maybe I underestimated Kyler Murray." And so it's like he gives no credit to the coaches. That last play to DeAndre Hopkins, Cliff ran a mesh concept. Now, if you're not familiar, it's an air raid staple—a play that crosses wide receivers across from each other and drives a guy up the field. It just creates chaos in a defensive side, especially if you're in man coverage. You kind of like you kind of like rub one guy off and get another guy open, and then. What that play did was that uh, they designed the play. You designed it where it got DeAndre Hopkins open on that of all players. He had a straight path to the end zone. That's not something that is something every NFL coach is going to do. This is something that is an air raid staple. It's part of who Cliff Kingsbury is. It's part of who Kyler Murray is. And it wasn't even just about Cliff and Kyler. You did have to trust Vance Joseph to be able to hold yourself on defense. The fact that they went two for 11 of third down and the fact that the Shanahan was like, hey, we don't want to give you two shots because they can't stop Kyler. We have to score here on this end. And the Cardinals stopped the Niners. Um, So maybe if it means that we have to eat and uh, John, maybe it means we have to eat a bit of crow on Vance Joseph. But it's still obviously early in the season, but so far there's been progress made.
1: Well, I think with with regard to the Kingsbury criticism or lack of um, success given by the the national media, there was a narrative before he was, or when he was initially hired, that it was a, a sign of privilege and that he didn't deserve the position and that he was, you know, a flash in the pan offensive joke and that he didn't win in the Big Twelve, which he didn't. But the way the NFL is migrating now is it's an offensive league you clear you can't touch the quarterbacks it's never been more prevalent to have a quarterback that's a playmaker and he had a relationship with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals saw something in him when they met with him I mean they they interviewed Kingsbury and Adam Gase and it was between those two individuals and the Jets and the Cardinals wanted Kingsbury he ended up choosing the Cardinals because he wanted to work with Murray and you know we've seen what's happened with Adam Gase and and Sam Darnold but I just think that Until he has a specific run of success, it will probably take Blake this team going to the postseason, or at the very least being nine and seven, being above five hundred for people to give him credit where credits due. But I my my point entirely is I don't know if he's going to be an elite head coach, a a consistent winning head coach. But at the at the end of the day, what he was brought in to do was to enhance Kyler Murray's play and make him an elite quarterback. If Kyler Murray is playing at, at the kind of level we saw yesterday. The Cardinals are going to win games. That's the way it works in the NFL. Whereas in the college ranks, Blake, who, it's about your, your 53 or however many are on the roster. It's about who you recruit, the kind of players you have on your offensive and defensive lines, the athletes. it's Quarterbacks, a lot of the time, it's secondary or even the third or fourth option as far as like the best overall players on your team. It's not how it works in the NFL. It's certainly not how it works in the NFL in the year 2020. You can have a loaded roster, but if your quarterback isn't special or even above average, it doesn't matter. We've seen that time and time again with a lot of Cardinal teams that we thought were probably more talented than this one, Blake. But this the difference is they have Kyler Murray. So my my argument was always, well, Cliff Kingsbury, if he elevates Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray plays elite-level football, they're going to win games. They're going to be a playoff team. And so I just I don't understand the, the narrative. Clearly, he can call plays in the NFL. He's much more capable than, heck, what we saw from Mike McCarthy yesterday, uh, all the Zach Taylor, all these other coaches. But there were so many people on that bandwagon that he shouldn't be a head coach. And there was you know, a lot of privilege involved. Those people don't want to eat crow yet. And then there are also a lot of people that want to see Vance fail. So the Cardinals just need to take care of their own business. They've got a very favorable schedule coming up. They're 1-0 for the first time since 2015, which is fantastic. And Kingsbury, to me, it buys him credibility in the locker room. That He can go and look to his other players, and they can look at him, especially the young players, and say, oh, my, my coach went head to head with the NFC champions in San Francisco and beat Kyle Shanahan straight up. And he out dueled Robert Sa in the second half and basically undressed him in the fourth quarter with back to back drives to win the game of, I think it was 94 yards and then 75 yards. I mean, that was Cliff Kingsbury. And then defensively, Vance Joseph did just enough to hang on on an improving defense that we think is only going to get better because of the additions of some of these young players. So. I I I just think that it this win will springboard them to the postseason. That is my prediction. I, I was back and forth on whether or not I, I thought they were a, a, a playoff team. I did think they'd go nine and seven this year, but I had picked them consistently to win this game for the last four to six weeks. I felt really good about it last week with all the injuries, and I thought throughout the duration of the game I'm like this this is a not a must win. But you're talking about no home fans for San Francisco, no receiving options, and I'm not making excuses for them. This is the NFL. You play who you have to play, and it's it's John Lynch's fault. He didn't go out and sign any capable receivers. But the Cardinals the Cardinals came in as a, a 5 10, and one team, beating the uh, previous 8-0 no San Francisco 49ers through eight weeks last year, and, and now they're, they're all-in-one. And that's because of Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, and Vance Joseph.
0: Yeah, John, the – I have to say, John, the – the fact that we're even in this spot right now, I think, and this is what I want to say is that uh, I didn't see this game as a must win. I I did predict that it was going to be a kind of last second field goal loss. I just kind of picked the more veteran team and veteran coach. Um, There was a a good chance of that happening, except it would have been a touchdown. Uh, The Cardinals by being able to overcome that, this is one of those wins in September that you hope pays dividends in November and December. If the Cardinals can I um, I mentioned if the Cardinals can start off 4-0 and and you're looking at a 7th playoff seed and you're saying, hey, your goal this season is to get to 9-7. and If you can start off 4-0, and you can then go basically, um, what is that? It's 5-7 uh, and seven over your last 12 games and still have a shot at the postseason. I don't think that you have to necessarily say you want the Cardinals then to have that be the case. But you at least have an opportunity to be able to start fast and start strong, which in previous years, I look back to that 2013 season where they started two and four and then look back to how they pervade that into that 9-1 start in 2014 before Palmer got hurt, and then came on strong again in that 2015 season. Uh, That's what I think the best teams do, is they take advantage of things early, and then they know that when the pressure is going to be on later, they don't have to get lucky or hope that a team, you know, uh, another team wins a game for them to get into the postseason or to have a shot. They can then at least determine their own destiny. That was a huge step forward, I think, by being able to win a game like this. Now you have to go and be able to look at the next few upcoming games against you got washington you've got the panthers you've got the lions now you even have the hapless jets you got to go out there and be able to take care of business Uh, i don't think it's too much to ask to say that this team for those teams are playing should hopefully be able to at least go four and one if not four and one at least be able to go three and two down that stretch uh, before you can get to the dallas cowboys i think that would be your best uh bet uh let's go ahead at least before we talk about just a little bit more of the upcoming thing let's talk about some of the good the meh and the ugly uh, just kind of three things from the game that you thought you were good you thought you were eh, and then one that you thought was ugly uh, for me what i thought was a good was uh cliff kingsbury adjusting because uh, it went from a ugly to a, a good from the first quarter on it looked very much like he was running uh he was running along with his 10 personnel ideas that he was running against the lions In week one of last season uh it took about three quarters to move away from that in the lions game this one it took probably about three series and it became clear like all right here's what we're gonna do we're gonna be able to put in max williams the passing game wasn't working i think he was hoping to take advantage of the niners throwing some blitzes or coming out aggressively and trying to throw into that those blitzes uh he instead turns it around is able to start having some different handoffs some kyler murray runs uh, I thought that was at least one thing that was good. It showed the flexibility and adjustment. And when it was DeAndre Hopkins that was working, they had a couple shots that they took, but they didn't just necessarily force the ball deep. They didn't force it to fits. They didn't try to say, we're going to run the ball on every single down. He, they kind of took what the defense was willing to give. I thought that that was very, very good what was meh for me overall was uh, the play at least of Hassan Reddick who took over for Isaiah Simmons who'd been playing poorly and Reddick in that regard he had a couple of good plays and then he had a few that were some misses I I think that if he's going to be the guy who ends up moving into kind of that Sam linebacker role where you're talking about more of a part-time pass rusher part-time coverage guy I I think there's going to be some hits and misses your hope is that by probably about you know week six week eight that a guy like Simmons can learn enough be able to get adjusted to the speed of the game and be able to come in without being able to get baited so much and that that'll be something that we'll have to see john because he is a unique player with unique skill sets my hope at least is that you could turn that from a mat into a good and that simmons will be able to come along or that reddick will be able to uh, you know in a bit late in a contract year but finally be able to kind of be that type of player the cardinals have wanted him to be And As far as for what was ugly, the biggest thing overall, John, was I I could talk about the lack of a number two wide receiver here, like you mentioned. Uh, To me, I think it's almost a spot where I just kind of want to see them be able to at least try with Isabella to just say, hey, we're going to try to force some things deep, see what we can get out of it for that one, try to see if they can get Kirk involved in more ways. But to me, the ugly was the penalties. The penalties were the biggest killer for the Cardinals because they were stalling drives. You talk about, like you mentioned, the Jordan Hicks pass interference. Uh, You look at the replay, he kind of goes and tried to time a tackle to knock the ball loose. The ball hadn't even gotten there yet. Uh, You talk about offensive line holding. You talk about the fact that the Cardinals were in the situation they were in um, because they decided, nope, Kyler roughed the pocket, so that was not an intentional grounding play. The Cardinals had another previous intentional grounding play that he had already committed. Uh, They also had a lot of times where there were some pass interferences that you saw that were just ultimately killers. To me, that's the biggest thing that has to get cleaned up because if you're not a clean team, John, you're probably not going to be able to make it to the playoffs, much less very far in the playoffs because good and well-run teams will take advantage of that and beat you. Uh, To me, that was the ugliest part of the game. What were some of the ones that stood out for you?
1: I'll ditto the the uh, penalties is my ugly, make it easy for folks there, because I think you got to clean that up Uh, over 100 yards. Unacceptable. But again, I think there's a little bit of leeway from the coaching staff because of the fact that they didn't have a preseason. Um, And so I kind of expected it. But here, I'll give you another one. How about Zane Gonzalez Uh, not looking particularly sharp, kicking field goals yesterday? I get it. Uh, the the first one he missed was I think 52 and that's difficult but again the elements weren't bad and then the the second one he missed I know he made the the long one from 56 and that's great but the second one he missed was 49 that could have very well been the difference in the game and I get it he made a lot of field goals last year he made a lot of field goals when the Cardinals were down when they couldn't punch it into the end zone they were chip shots they weren't under pressure this to me is something to watch moving forward the Cardinals are going to be in a lot of close games this year they have playoff aspirations they need him to be better than he was yesterday the math for me I just think you know the, the 2020 draft class and that's a little bit unfair just because it's game one and Hopkins was technically their second round pick but just minimal impact from the draft class but again I think that speaks to the depth that they've you know, put together throughout the rest of the roster. They're not super reliant on the draft class like they have been in the past. They can slow play the j- development of Josh Jones and Isaiah Simmons and Rashard Lawrence and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, ben- Benjamin was inactive just because I think that DJ Foster was active because he had to play special teams and, and replace him of Keyshawn Johnson. I just they'll they'll get there when they get there but just you know no impact from that draft class yet and then the you know the good was hopkins hopkins was in my opinion and i know anquan bolden had more receiving yards it's the greatest debut in, in arizona cardinal history the the bolden uh, stat that i'm referring to is i think in 2003 when he debuted against the lions he had over 200 yards and two touchdowns i think the the team arizona was facing clearly was superior to, the, to those lines that went five and eleven that year the stakes that were on the line, just the fact that everybody knew the Cardinals wanted to get him the football and they still couldn't cover him. The fact that he roasted, you know, poor uh, what Emmanuel Mosley all day, who had 15 tackles, just because he just kept getting separation. Why they didn't try to put Sherman on him, even though he covers one side of the field, I don't know. And I, Hopkins did burn Sherman a decent amount of times too, especially at the end of the first half. But it was to me. Right after signing that contract, coming out and being, you know, co player of the game with Kyler, their only receiving threat, that was basically you're putting a staple on the rest of the NFC. Like, we're going to be a playoff team. We're going to be a factor. I'm going to have a career year. I'm going to have, you know, my best production with this young kid, and we're going to take this league by storm here in 2020. I just think it. The, the emotional weight that that carried, I think, is is something that can't be measured, whereas the Anquan game was great. They did lose that game against the Lions in, in 2003, and they were very much under the radar, and it was a matchup of two bad teams. We very much feel like, Blake, the Niners and the Cardinals both have uh, real playoff aspirations as we head toward the rest of the season.
0: Last question for today's podcast, John. Have your expectations for the Cardinals changed at all for this season? Uh, yes or no?
1: For me, yes, I, I I did think they were going to win this game. Had they not won this game, Blake, I I probably would have been more convinced they were going to be a, a seven and nine, eight and eight kind of team. But I think this is such a confidence builder. I would be severely disappointed if they weren't at least nine and seven. And I think nine and seven with that seven seed gets you into the playoffs. And I just think that the Cardinals didn't even play, you know, great football yesterday. They played fine. They had penalties, but it's not like San Francisco like vomited all over themselves and fumbled three times or five times, and the Cardinals took advantage, had short fields. Yes, they blocked a punt, but they had more total yards. They had more rushing yards. They dominated the time of possession. This offense it hasn't even scratched the surface of what they're going to be capable of doing. I f- I fully expect them to eclipse thirty points this upcoming weekend against a, a you know a Washington team that's you know got a lot of emotion right now. I just the Cardinals, to me, they're playing with house money. Everybody doubted them entering this game, and now they can come out and say, like, this is who we are. We have an elite level quarterback. We have an innovative head coach. We've got an upgraded roster. We got a lot of young players that haven't even made their mark yet. I think uh, I'll stick with nine and seven and a playoff team and that means they only have to win eight more eight more games out of the remaining 15 that's doable when you get the nfc east and the afc east which could be the two worst divisions in all of football uh, the cardinals may only need to go two and four in the division to get to that point blake there's too many easy wins
0: and that will do it for us Uh, We'll be back at least probably later in the week with our second episode of the week. We'll be previewing uh, the upcoming game against the Washington football team, breaking down what we saw at least on film from them in week one. And we'll also be talking a little bit more at least about the Cardinals and the offense. We're going to be looking at what are any adjustments we may need to make on expectations statistically for some of their players, if there's any other presumptions. And we'll probably talk a little bit as well about what Vance Joseph is specifically doing on the defense that we're seeing be so much more effective. Uh, The hint for that, a lot of it has to do with an improved talent level and him allowing guys to be able to be effective in their roles. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us here on this edition of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We're celebrating a Cardinals win, 1-0 on the 2020 season. Uh, you can follow our show on Twitter at Pod, as well as on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, places like iHeartRadio, even Stitcher and Himalaya. You can also find us at revengeofthebirds.com. I know I'll be doing the rapid reaction articles after the end of each game uh, this season. As he said, you can now follow him at Johnny Venerable, formerly at Johnny Touchdown. My name is Blake Murphy, and follow me at Blake Murphy Seven if you want. <laughs> Can't ask for a better start to be able to stick it to a division rival, uh, especially in winning a game that you uh, people felt like you were not going to win or didn't have a chance in. Uh, I think it's going to show up great for the rest of the 2020 season. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you later in the week, and we'll see you week two at Washington as well. This has been the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We'll <music>